0: Welcome to the Hannah Miller Show. And here she is, Hannah Miller. Outspokenly conservative and unashamedly Christian, this is Hannah Miller, and this is what's been happening this week. So we're actually going to start with some positive news today, and we're going to close with some positive news as well. We have a lot of good news and good things that happened this week that I want to highlight. Also, this will be my last podcast before I have our little one. And so thank you all for this season of sticking with me as I've been navigating the podcast road while being pregnant, and um, I will be back in just a few weeks. After having this little one, y'all be in prayer. We are. I had a doctor's appointment today, and we are going in the next week. So probably the next few days. As a matter of fact, I won't get into all of the details. But um, my doctor said, told me today in my appointment that any moment. So uh, we are. My body is is halfway there to being ready uh, to to get this baby out. So we are excited about that. My husband and I are looking forward to it. And uh, I look forward to updating all of you when I get back. So on to our positive news. The first story I want to talk about is that parents are revolting against the critical race theory and classroom indoctrination that we've been seeing happening. We, I have seen videos of this happening. But again, just in the past 24 hours, school districts have suspended a teacher who was Promoting Antifa ideology. This was caught by the Project Veritas folks, James O'Keefe. They put in, they had an undercover journalist who went in and caught this male teacher talking about all of this propaganda and Antifa propaganda that he teaches his students. And I believe he was in California and he was promptly let go or suspended. And then another teacher, a female who was having her students pledge allegiance to the pride flag. And she was did a video and, and exposed herself for that. And parents said, absolutely not. And so I am so glad and excited to hear about parents who are standing up, school districts that are hearing them and saying, no, yeah, you're right, we're we're not going to have this here. And also in other news for regarding schools, the Virginia Supreme Court has issued an order, this was issued Monday, that affirms a lower court's decision to temporarily reinstate Leesburg Elementary School physical education teacher Tanner Cross. So after the Ludin County Public Schools suspended him, if you remember, for voicing objections to a proposed policy during the public comment period of a school board meeting, the lower court ruled that the school district's actions were likely unconstitutional. And the state high court agreed. So, if you don't remember, the Loudoun County Public Schools policy requires all faculty and students, regardless of their beliefs about biological sex and gender, to use the pronouns that students demand, regardless of that student's biological sex. And this physical education teacher, Tanner Cross, stood up at a meeting. At a school board meeting and opposed it. And he did it very well. He did it very eloquently and kindly. And he was suspended. And they, this Virginia Supreme Court has said, nope, you can't do that. That's unconstitutional. And the state high court agreed. So, just big news on that front. Big news for education um, across the country. I just, get this sense of parents just really rising up. The other thing that happened here locally here in South Carolina this week is that the Supreme Court avoided a city's ability to impose a mask mandate in public schools. And that's big news. There's a lot of parents that have been really going back and forth with schools, with cities, with the mask mandates. And, of course, we've also got schools—we've got a school here in South Carolina that has also— is trying to bribe students with $100 saying, we'll give you $100 if you will get vaccinated here in the state of South Carolina. Students 16 years old and up can get vaccinated without parental permission. And so these schools are trying to bribe those students. And uh, parents turned out to protest that as well and saying, look, you know, because here's the deal. It's not about being anti-mask or being anti-vaccine or being anti any of this stuff. It's just me- about medical freedom and personal liberty, and our ability to choose for ourselves and not be coerced and not be forced into making a decision because of public shaming because of the threat of losing our jobs, because of any of those kind of discriminations that are happening across the country right now. We wanna be able to just make a decision without fear one way or the other, because let me tell you, as believers, we should not be making decisions based on fear one way or the other. We shouldn't be making a decision out of a- arrogance or defiance or fear or whatever. Don't don't make your decision because you're afraid of, of get, catching confidence. COVID, but don't make your decision because you're afraid of getting fired by your boss either. Both of those are motivated by fear, and we are not to be controlled by fear as believers. And of course, just in general, it's not a good decision to make a choice based upon fear in our lives. So anyway, that was a little side note. Those are things that were happening here locally and, of course, across the country as well. And then other good news is that Chase Bank on Tuesday had apologized for the credit card cancellation letter that was sent to retired General Michael Flynn, who, if you don't remember, former National Security Advisor under former President Donald Trump. And he posted on his Telegram social media page, he had posted there basically they they canceled his credit card and apparently the Chase Bank letter read that was received by General Michael Flynn it read on a, in part quote we decided to close your credit cards on September 18th 2021 because continuing the relationship creates possible reputational risk to our company Chase Bank also said that we made an error in reference to the cancellation letter. So the letter that ch- that General Michael Flynn received on August 20th that was dated he he received it August 20th and it said we decided to close your credit cards on September 18th or will on September 18th. Then they have walked that back now and said we made an error in reference to the cancellation letter. So what's kind of the background of what happened? So Flynn posted on Sunday on his Telegram account the Chase letter with the addressee text crossed out, as well as a retort that he directed at the bank. And this is what he said. Chase Bank has gone full blown woke. They need to deal with their own reputation instead of persecuting my family and I. The Department of Justice dropped my case for their own egregious government misconduct. Appears you weren't that lucky with the DOJ. I guess my America First political views don't align with yours. Your loss. End quote. And of course, Flynn's reference to Chase's, quote, own reputation... It presumably is connected with a DOJ press link release link that he posted next, stating that JP. Morgan Chase and Company agrees to pay 920 million dollars in connection with schemes to defraud precious metals in. US treasury's markets. So Flynn kind of came back with a real stinging retort there saying, "Look, I, my case was dropped, but apparently yours wasn't and I guess my America First political views don't align America First political views don't align with yours and and he's exactly right. And see that's the problem that we're having with a lot of these woke corporations across the country is they do not like the America First political views. That's what they didn't like about Donald Trump. They genuinely I think one of the things that really came down to for a lot of these folks, a lot of these elites is They don't like the America first ideology. They are not for ideology, but political views. They don't like that concept. Why? Because a lot of them they're in bed with China and Russia and others that don't do us any good on the international scene to have relationships with them as a country. And they don't want those business relationships to be jeopardized. And so anyway, Chase Bank, they got so much flack for it, though. They backpedaled this week and on Tuesday said that was a mistake. That, you know, of course, that's what they always say. Instagram said the same thing this week. They had deleted one of the gold star, one of the accounts of a mom who's a gold star mom who met with Joe Biden this last week. Uh, Her her child was one of the ones that died in Afghanistan and her Instagram account was deleted by Instagram and because she wrote some pretty scathing things about Joe Biden and we can't have that and her account was deleted. And of course, then there was an uproar and Instagram came back and said, whoa, 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 it was an accident. (laughs) All right. Okay, that's the route. If that's what you want to say, but we all know it was on purpose, but they just got so much flack for it. Instagram, Chase Bank, all of these that do this, but I'm glad to see it. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad for people to be pushing back against this kind of thing and forcing these corporations and social media companies, et cetera, to say, look, your ideology does not match up with the majority of us. And that's one of the things I, I talked to a friend about that this week. I said, look, you know, I think for the majority, Americans, really do see eye to eye on a lot of things. We're not as polarized as I think the media and the elites want us to believe. And it's some of these things like these parents rising up across the country to say, no, we're not going to have this critical race theory stuff in here. We're, we're not going to have this transgender ideology stuff in, in our schools we want to be able to choose what we inject into our bodies and what our children are subject to. We believe in parental rights. So I just feel like all of those that maybe we're more like-minded and then you have all this pushback on Chase Bank and um and you they just say no, we're and Insta, and on Instagram say we're not going to tolerate that and I just think that those people that have kind of been a sleeping giant because look, we're we don't want to pull guns out and start shooting at anybody. These folks, they're, they're just, they just want to go to work. They want to make money. They want their kids to have a good education. They want their kids to be able to live in a better America than what they grew up in. And that's what, for generations, we've done in the United States. It's, it's been about leaving a better America for our children. And I just think that there's a lot of folks out there in America right now who think that way. And there's a lot more of them than the media and the elites would want you to believe. All right, moving on to the next story. Uh, A pair of top vaccine regulators at the U.S. Food and Drug Administration resigned this week, reportedly as a result of growing turmoil and disagreement within the agency as political pressures reportedly complicate the administration's scientific work. So what happened? Dr. Marion Gruber, director of the FDA's Office of Vaccines Research and Review, and her deputy, Philip Krauss, announced their intentions to leave the F- FDA with little fanfare this past Tuesday. In a memo sent to news publishers, the FDA framed the decision as a simple retirement, thanking Gruber and Kraus for their service, but they, it didn't really offer any reason for their forthcoming departure. So was there anything else going on? In a report published Tuesday evening, Politico indicated the pair's departure was the result of increasing frustration over the Biden administration's top-down approach to managing the pandemic, specifically as it pertains to administering booster shots for adults. And this is an excerpt from that report. FDA officials are scrambling to collect and analyze data that clearly demonstrate the booster's benefits before the administration's September 20th deadline for rolling them out to most adults. On Tuesday, two top FDA vaccine regulators resign, a decision that one former official said was rooted in anger over the agency's lack of autonomy in the booster planning so far. A current health official said the pair, Marion Gruber and Philip Krauss, left over differences with FDA's top vaccine official, Peter Marks. Now the agency is facing a potential mutiny among its staff and outside vaccine advisors, several of whom feel cut out of key decisions and who view the plan to offer boosters to all adults as, here's the key, premature and unnecessary. Politico spoke to 11 current and former health officials and people familiar with the matter who described growing exasperation with the administration's disjointed process for implementing its booster plan. Those sources said there is little coordination between federal health agencies, even as two top FDA officials try to guide the rollout. And so this happens right when when we're in the middle of a pandemic. And they're trying to say oh they just you know it's just reti- time for retirement. Well, it doesn't seem to me a very opportune time to just retire when we're in the middle of a global pandemic. I mean, maybe that's just me, but I have a feeling there is more to this and there some of these issues that were just outlined and like I said they were all saying that this is the booster shots are premature and unnecessary, and that's where the disagreements started getting to. So the news outlet Politico characterized Gruber and Krause's exit as a symptom of a greater problem brewing within the FDA, even warning that a potential mutiny could be just around the corner as other FDA officials are not only in disagreement over the boosters, but also are in disagreement with the Biden administration over the rush to approve the vaccine for those 12 and under. And so this is going to do nothing to help the huge push that they're trying to do right now for getting the vaccine and then getting the boosters. Because they're trying to roll that out, and they're trying to motivate everybody to go and get these vaccines. But having this kind of issues within the fda leadership and having two major people step down and say nope and in the middle of all of this I, i don't care how they try to say oh it's nothing to see here they're just resigning everybody in america has to look at it and say well wait a minute why would they resign right now in the middle of a global pandemic if there wasn't something else going on and so it just causes you to ask more questions and realize okay it just it just increases the vaccine hesitancy in my opinion for a lot of folks. And uh, so it's going to hurt the Biden administration and those who are trying to really push the vaccines onto folks. So now let's hear from a sponsor before we cover our last two stories of the week. Hi, this is Bob of Bob Sloan Audio Productions. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Have you ever thought about doing a podcast yourself? Do you have a desire to communicate an idea, opinion, or even a hobby or interest you'd like to share with the world? And do you have the communication skill and dedication? If so, let's talk. Send an email and a short description of your idea to bob at bobsloan.com. That's bob at b-o-b-s-l-o-n-e dot com. Now let's get back to the podcast. The situation in Afghanistan continues to be a catastrophe. Biden officially declared that the war in Afghanistan was over and pulled the remaining American troops from Afghanistan. And look, while I'm really glad to see American troops home from Afghanistan, we left hundreds of American citizens, thousands of Afghan allies billions of dollars worth of military equipment and an entire people group in the grip of terrorists. And all of that's come out this last week. I could spend the entire show today talking about story after story of things that have been happening and have been exposed coming out of Afghanistan that have just been devastating. Mama's passing babies over razor wire (laughs) to get them to into the Kabul airport to the American soldiers to try to get those children out of Afghanistan. I mean, just devastating. And while I don't believe that America should police the world, we did make promises to the Afghan people 20 years ago that we failed to fulfill again and again. And here at the end, the 20 years of failed policies accumulated into a catastrophic display and it has been and it has just broken my heart this week to see everything that has gone on and how all of these failed policies have left the Afghan people in the grip of terrorists and feeling hopeless And helpless. And in addition to the Afghan people, quite a number of Americans that are still over there. So last story of the day. In a 5-4 ruling, the Supreme Court has allowed Texas's heartbeat bill to remain in effect, which bans abortion after six weeks. Thomas, Alito, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett voted not to block the law. And this is the first time in history a pro-life heartbeat bill has taken effect and been enforced. So a little history. A few months ago, Governor Greg Abbott signed the heartbeat law, and everyone on the left was screaming, screaming about going to the courts to fight for reproductive rights. And frankly, I, I thought we'd be in the courts already in Texas. Um, rather than watching the new law go into effect, that's immediately what happened here in South Carolina with our heartbeat law. Of course, there are two very different, uh, laws. The heartbeat law that's in Texas is really built around civil language. Uh, the one here in South Carolina is built around criminal law instead of civil law. And so those, that's really the primary difference there. But what happened? Well, The law was written in such a way that it makes it difficult to challenge in the courts. And uh, this is from the Texas Tribune there, and it says, one of the nation's most restrictive abortion bills, which bans abortion as early as six weeks into pregnancy, took effect at midnight after the U.S. Supreme Court did not take action on an emergency appeal by Texas abortion providers Tuesday. Uh, End quote. I'll get back into this. This is what I think, this is why I think it didn't happen the emergency appeal that the abortion providers had brought up it was i heard it was very sloppy and that was why they didn't take up the appeal they will have to rewrite the appeal and come back again and of course that could take years and in the meantime hundreds of babies lives will be saved and so let them go let them do that But um, anyway, back to this article from the Texas Tribune. The law prohibits abortions whenever an ultrasound can detect what lawmakers define as a fetal heartbeat. Providers and abortion rights advocacy groups say this would affect at least 85% of the abortions taking place in the state. Of course, that's because most people, most women, don't know they are pregnant within the first six weeks. But the state wouldn't enforce the law. SB 8 instead provides enforcement only by private citizens who would sue abortion providers and anyone involved in aiding or abetting an abortion after a heartbeat is detected. This mechanism could allow SB8 to skirt Roe v. Wade, the 1973 Supreme Court decision that legalized abortion, within some limits. And so it's going to allow for private citizens who say, look, this person— paid for my abortion. This person coerced me into abortion. This person, I mean, it's basically any doctor, nurse, spouse, anybody that forced this person to have an abortion that was involved in that, that private citizen could sue that doctor, that nurse for performing the abortion, or could sue somebody who coerced them into an abortion. And so that's what SB-8 here does in Texas. So did Texas just abort Roe, essentially? Well, you can't really say yes, because the challenge to to Roe v. Wade has not reached the Supreme Court. They just denied to hear the appeal, the emergency appeal, or take action. I'm sorry. They refused to take action on an emergency appeal. But... At the same time, the justices may be showing their hand and indicating that they are open to reviewing the 1973 opinion. And of course, my prayer is that the high court will agree that states can regulate abortion, effectively killing Roe. That's what we need to be praying for. This could be laying the groundwork. It's indicating what these justices would be willing to do how they would be willing to look at this, what their opinion would be about it. And of course, uh, we need to all be praying for that, praying that it would happen and that the Supreme Court would say, no, it is within our state's rights to regulate abortion. And of course, there's state after state after state across the country has laws in place that if this were to happen, boom, I mean, they're ready to put a stop to abortion in their state, South Carolina being one of them. Of course, the left has been losing their minds over this. And uh, while I'm I'm not going to take the time to respond to all of their lunacy and all of the arguments that they make, because it's just not the time to take all of those up today. If you encounter what may seem like, but is not, (laughs) a compelling argument for abortion, always bring the conversation back to what abortion is which is the brutal killing of an innocent, defenseless human being. That's it. That's all the argument that you need. Always bring it back to what is in the mother's womb and does an innocent human life deserve to be brutally murdered? Lastly, I do want to address this. On Twitter, a leftist, I don't even remember the name, tweeted this out yesterday. And I I just want to take a moment to respond briefly. He said, quote, you cannot screen for Down syndrome before about 10 weeks. And something like 80% of Down syndrome fetuses are aborted. If red states ban abortion, we could see a world where they have five times as many children with Down syndrome and similar numbers of other disabilities, end quote. And all I'm going to say about that When I read that tweet, as someone with a Down syndrome sibling, all I could think to myself was, what a wonderful world. Thank you for listening to The Hannah Miller Show. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Productions. If you'd like to find out more about Hannah or to schedule her for a speaking event, go to her website, thehannamillershow.com.